Hi, Kirby's. Liz Bashir is here along with my co-hosts, Mary Scott Hunter and Rachel Breyers. Thank you so much for joining us, for tuning in. We know that your, your time is precious. Your attention is precious. And that's what I want to talk about today. Um, but before we get started, I want to say thank you to our Patreon subscribers. We know that for a lot of people, um, money is tight right now. Things are uncertain, but they're just thank you. Huge thank you to those of you who have chosen to support us so we can keep bringing this content to you and keep having these conversations and and hopefully creating some value for you. Um, you Our mission is to bravely model and create authentic community where we can connect, laugh, learn, and grow. And you help us do that. So thank you so much. If you would like to support us on Patreon, we have levels starting as little as $3 a month. Uh, You go to patreon.com slash bell curve pod. And then also Mary Scott, do you want to talk about uh, our book club book? Oh, I would love to talk about our book club book. We are going to be doing Becoming Mrs. Lewis by Patty Callahan. And it is a great book. Becoming Mrs. Lewis is a love story about the, about Joy Davidman and C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis authored the Chronicles of Narnia and Screwtape Letters and Joy was an author in her own right and they fell in love and it was a very controversial love story and you just have to read the book to understand kind of all the all that went into that he was a lot older than her Uh, she was an American divorcee lots and lots of drama great book and Patty Callahan is from Birmingham and she's going to be on our show uh, when we talk about the book in June so uh, you can get it by linking through our show notes at amazon.com and we get a little piece of the action or support your local bookseller they need your help too especially now Thank you for that. I'm so excited about talking to Patty. It's, you know, the Alabama has such a wealth of of incredible authors. Oh my Something goodness. Something about Southern stories. Something about Southern stories. It's in the water. We, 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 we just breed writers and writing. It's a, it's a writing culture. We don't, you know, we don't have all the, some of the other industrialized history, but boy, oh boy, do we have a writing and a artistic history. I think Flannery O'Connor is my favorite. Oh my gosh. Faulkner, Twain. So I mean, all these great writers. I might butcher this. And if I do, Rachel, you can cut it off. <laughs> but I saw a meme the other day that was like, uh, writer colon <laughs> i want to make you humid like a southern summer, summer night where the <laughs> spanish moss drips off the trees and the lightning bugs so blah, blah, blah. it was like actual southern person <laughs> yeah no let's get in the air conditioning right now <laughs> uh anyway anyway <laughs> especially a southern person named liz Bashirs. <laughs> especially liz Bashirs. that was a meme right Where do you see memes? The internet. Where do I spend a lot of times? A lot of time, the internet. Y'all, have you ever sat down to look something up on your computer or phone, blinked, and 45 minutes have passed, and you didn't even Google the thing that you set out to look up? (laughs) Like uh, daily? Daily. (laughs) Have you ever been scrolling through your Twitter feed or Facebook timeline and found your mood souring by the minute, but you just keep (laughs) scrolling anyway? What is that? It's like some like weird drug. Have you ever read an article citing quote unquote experts and left feeling more confused and unsure than ever? Absolutely. I know, Rachel, you've done some excellent writing about how to find experts you trust. And uh, I'd encourage everybody to look that up and you know listen to some of our episodes where we've talked to some experts we hope you can feel like you can trust. But y'all, I am highly susceptible to information overload. Hmm. I, I feel safer hmm. when I have the answers. So that, that tends to lead me to trying to look up and, and garner as much information about what's going on in the world as possible. But then that also 
you know, it can, it can weigh on you. It can weigh on you. And like a lot of people, I might be just a little bit addicted to social media. Am I the only one? (laughs) Well, I'm glad when you post on your social media, because it's one of the beautiful things in my feed. So, you know, keep posting at least. Little sister Liz, that makes me want to punch somebody out for you. You know, well, because I, I just don't want you to feel that way, but I know you are, you are not alone a lot. I mean, it's common. I feel it too sometimes. So this is not uncommon. This is not uncommon at all of, of people feeling so inundated by information all the time that it, it gets a little overwhelming. You know, this is not necessarily new to the internet age, but it has really ramped up. And I would argue in the time of COVID, it's gotten even worse. I know it has for me because I can be sitting there scrolling through Twitter and see just so much bad news and, but for some reason, I'm unable to stop. Um, but there's, a, there's apparently, a, like with everything, there's a, a psychological effect going on here. Uh, I found some good information from a, a PhD psychologist, Lucy Jo Palladino. She's the author of Find Your Focus Zone, an effective new plan to defeat distraction and overload. Quote, information overload occurs when a person is exposed to more information than the brain can process at one time. According to the article on Psych Central, I found Alvin Toffler actually coined the term in 1970 in his book, Future Shock, which is 1970. I think the Internet existed, but not not as we would think of it. Um, As more and more people started using the Internet, information overload became a popular phrase to describe how we felt about going online. According to neuroscientists, the more accurate term is cognitive overload. Hmm. That's because, quote, the brain can process vast amounts of information depending on the form in which it's presented. So the example given in this article is you can go out on a walk in a new place and you are you are inundated with with complex data, but our brains are able to and are built to process this information. And so our, our nervous system, she says, gets soothed. But contrast going out on a walk in the woods with standing on the corner of Times Square in New York City. Your brain struggles to organize all that sensory data barreling its way. And if you're a highly, a highly sensitive person, like I think a lot of us are, you become overstimulated. And that can lead to indecisiveness, bad decisions, and stress. Paladino says that indecisiveness or analysis paralysis can occur when you're overwhelmed by too many choices, your brain mildly freezes, and by default, you feel you passively wait and see. Or you make a hasty decision because vital facts get wedged between trivial ones. You don't know what to absorb and to take into account for your decision-making process and what to reject. I, I find this really, really gets me when I'm on that Twitter feed. Um, and all this confusion can cause you to consider credible and non-credible sources equally. Hmm. So what can we do about it? <laughs> and I, I told, I told uh, Mary Scott and Rachel before we started recording of like, okay, I found some good tips and there are some things that I've, some tactics I've been able to employ to help mostly deleting Twitter. Um, but then I always reinstall it. <laughs> so I'm really looking to y'all for, for how I can, can, how I can combat this. And, you know, I, like I said before, I really, it's comforting to me to, to have information, to not feel completely out of control because I I know a little bit about what's going on, but is that healthy? Well, first of all, I want to say that I'm so proud of you 
like you're my little sister proud of you. <laughs> I said that earlier and I, I started to get into it, but it wasn't quite the right moment. But I I think I think curvies out there want to know what's they want to deal with real things. And I mean, I'm just so proud of you for bringing it up because you're you're not alone. Everybody, almost everybody, I've got to, I'll probably dang near everybody deals with this if they're telling the truth. And you feel overloaded and you feel out of control and you feel like what in the world is going on? Why do I feel empty and overloaded all at the same time? That has to be a very common feeling. And I think talking about it today, I mean, asking asking us for advice is healthy. I don't know that, I don't know that, I don't know about you, Rachel, but I, I have a few tips for you that I hope will help. Um, and I hope our curvies will write in about this. But first of all, I just want to say thank you for, for just being vulnerable and for, for bringing it up because a lot of people want to think I, I can handle anything. I can take any, that's my, that's my go-to place. I, I can handle anything. Oh, for yeah. Sure. And I want to like make that. it clear, Liz, you are not alone. I mean, during this quarantine, I have definitely, I've noticed I've fallen into a super unhelpful habit though. I guess I do enjoy it at some level or I wouldn't do it. And that is that, you know, I get all cozied up in bed for the night and I pull out my phone first to scroll through Facebook and see what Mm -hmm. everyone says about everything. And then I scroll through Instagram until the app tells me that I'm all caught up because don't you love how they know that at some level we really like to see that check mark that you are all caught up and you're going to scroll until you see that check mark. And then really the kicker for me is opening up my news app and just getting lost down that rabbit hole, just reading and reading and reading. And this is right before bedtime, which we have discussed, and I do know, really isn't a good thing to do right before bed. So I, and it's funny because I've been waking up with a really sore jaw because I guess I'm like grinding my teeth, maybe from reading all of this right before bed. But, but on the other hand, like I said, I do enjoy reading the news and I think reading it makes me feel better then I would not reading it. I'd rather know what's going on than not. But I will say, you know, I watch zero cable news. We've talked about that before. I try to avoid sort of the hot take sensationalist stuff from, you know, the extreme media sources. Mm -hmm. That doesn't make me feel good because I feel like half my brain is reading it and then half my brain is consumed with trying to weed out the bias, which, which feels exhausting because, you know, I wasn't at the press conference or the scene of the crime or whatever it is the reporter was. So how do I know if they're reporting fairly? That's their job. But it bothers me sort of low level to know that there's often an agenda. So I'm kind of hoping that maybe the pandemic will be a wake-up call to a lot of outlets that people really do long for some old-school, straightforward news that they can trust. And there just aren't many outlets like that left. Did y'all, this is a little bit off topic, but not completely, but did y'all see where Nate Silver called out the New York Times for being, like his, he called out his employer for being sensationalist about some coronavirus statistics. I thought that was really brave of him. Absolutely. um, Mm -hmm. And really gave him a lot of, a lot more credibility in my eyes. But um, yeah, I think you're absolutely right, Rachel. Go ahead, Mary Scott. Well, I was thinking about triggers for me and sensationalism is definitely the trigger. I, I, I am like anybody else. I see a headline and I feel compelled to click on it. And, uh, and I, and so the, and that means the sensationalism has to get more and more and more sensational. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know where that's all going, but we have to figure out how to deal with it because it it's going to keep coming. 
Yeah, I mean, I think you've seen a lot of news organizations go from their headlines just stating the fact, this is what this article is about, to so-and-so slams so-and-so <laughs> eviscerates him on cable news. And it's just like, is this really, is this, is this helpful? It, that, kind of, that kind of headline makes me feel pretty anxious. Well, you remember um, when we read Atomic Habits, James Clear talked about in the opening why some of this hijacks our brain, because mm-hmm. we... Like we're drawn to those larger, more pronounced, I can't even remember all the examples he used, but I remember thinking, oh, wow, there is something in our brain that wants to see and take in information that's that's extreme. And then we do have to go to the next level. And I think we intuitively know that. But to see the research that he brought in was pretty fascinating. Yeah, it's at the, we're at the point where it can't just be a bad a bridge collapsing or something. It has to be the end of the world. You know, the world has to be ending to get our attention. And that's really not healthy at all. I mean, when you get overloaded, you feel empty, you feel powerless, you feel paralyzed, you feel angry, you feel all sorts of negative emotions that are that are not good at all. Well, Liz, what you said about analysis paralysis and and throwing up our hands and possibly making a bad decision, that definitely resonates with me. I mean, I I, I think, and I, we've we talked about the Enneagram, and Mary's got so sick of it. But I mean, I can't no, decide. No, I'm not. Okay, no, well, I'm not. I think it's. I think I it's know. Great. So it's I can't good. really decide if I'm a five or a nine. I think I'm probably a nine. But the nine really is a gut. You know, you go with your gut, and I, I really resonate with that. And then the five is kind of like, where's the trustworthy information? And you just, you know, really. So I, I feel both both ways with that. Like Mary Scott said at some point in the last few days, and I kind of sw- felt the same way that her give it give a dang I'll just call it dang her give a dang finally broke and now I know I want to make clear and I really resonated when she said that I was like me too certainly I know we both still care a lot about other people getting the virus or succumbing to it and we want to do our part but I do think what Mary Scott was getting at and maybe what I am is just like I may be at the throw up your hands stage at this point of like I don't know what to think anymore you know, I'm not sure anyone knows exactly the right right way forward. None of us have been through this, but I do know we've all sort of experienced a ton of loss and we can't really go on like this. You know, that's sort of the gut coming through <laughs> where probably sure. non-credible sources are mingling with the credible ones. And at some point you just say, I don't know, who knows? My, my give a dang broke. My give a dang is broke. And so on the Enneagram subject, similarly, but maybe like the opposite. I'm not sure. Um, so I'm an Enneagram three and I have tried to achieve my way out of the pandemic. Like if I can only work hard enough, <laughs> if I can only just like execute on so many projects, everything will be fine. But that's not, <laughs> that's not real, man. I know because there have been so many texts where we're saying Liz question mark Liz <laughs> question mark are you there Liz? <laughs> My supervisor had to talk to me the other day. She was like, "Liz, you have to stop working so many hours." <laughs> like, what else am I supposed to do? <laughs> Walk to the park again? Well, I, I just want to sit in a restaurant. Yeah. I don't necessarily think that's a, a totally unhealthy response, though. I mean, there's lots of less healthy responses that you could have taken. So don't beat yourself up too much. I mean, you you also have to prove your value in this time, and that's not easy. And, you know, she's but good on your supervisor, good on her for or him for oh, um, it's a her. It's a her. So good on her to to um, kind of ratchet you back because you really have been working extremely hard. What does it feel like? 
to be free of that overload. Is, is that a, is that a feeling that y'all recognize or, or even chase? I have been toying with the idea of going back to no social media or at least taking it off my phone. I've been trying the past few weeks to really take note of the times I've been on it and felt good after using it and the times I've felt neutral or bad after using it. And if bad, why was that? What triggered that? Like, here's an example. Uh, Early on in the pandemic, someone I really like and I have followed their content started sort of pushing the idea that anyone who was staying at home to flatten the curve lacked courage, was like living in fear and didn't trust God. And of course, here I was thinking that it was obvious that anyone who was making this huge sacrifice to stay at home was doing it for altruistic purposes (laughs) to help other people. I felt good about it. And then, you know, we had nurses and doctors all begging us to stay home. So it, it seemed to me the right and kind and good thing to do, even if we weren't sure yet it was effective. It just seemed like what we should do. So I was surprised by how much it hurt me, honestly, to see this person that I know look at someone like our family and and think we were all just selfishly huddled in fear. And mm. I remember thinking, I didn't really fault this person for thinking that, but what I thought was, this is the downside to social media. I probably would have been better off not knowing that this person thought that, but you're just scrolling along and then sometimes you don't know what's coming or why or what will hit you just the wrong way at the wrong time. They, I mean, people can have their opinions, but like, do you need to know everyone's thoughts about what you're doing? Right. I, I think that's the difference, right? Is that every, I mean, people have always had questionable, bad, stupid, wrong opinions. We just haven't been privy to them. <laughs> right. <laughs> hey, look, I'm an opinion writer. Sometimes my opinions are stupid, bad, and wrong. <laughs> that is not true. I've, that is not true. I've, I've never seen you have a wrong opinion. <laughs> oh, definitely not a stupid one. No, definitely uh, not a stupid one. Oh, thank y'all. Um, you know, I think, I, I was thinking about how, like, I, I mean, Liz, you know, I think of you as a little sister and I, I just want to, I, I want to try to give you some advice as I would a fam, you know, as if you were my little sister, cause that's how I think of you. And I, cause I want you to be okay. I want you to, I want you to feel good. I do. And I know that this is a real, really, really hard. And I think it's hard on everyone, but I think you're smart to be able to recognize you know, what, what things are really hard. And, and this one is, is hard on you. And I, I, I would advise you to go back and listen to our episode with Christina Simmons on, and where she talks about detachment. Mm. And I took that, I really, really thought about that. And she was, detachment is not necessarily a positive word. And I don't know if I would necessarily use that word, but where she was coming from is detaching from the things that are of the world and clinging to the things that are forever. Um, And I, I just really, really, really have internalized that in the past few weeks. And it's, and it's helped me um, just kind of frame out everything. Um, And that, that has helped me with dealing with all the, you know, all the stuff that's coming in, um, going forward, you know, this might not be the time to do this, but you and everybody, you know, I I believe everybody has this in them. I don't believe there are just born leaders who lead and there are other people who follow. I think everybody can lead in certain situations and everybody is called to follow in certain situations. But 
when you're in, when you're dealing with overload, sometimes it's easiest to lead. Hmm. Sometimes. Now you can't be the kind of person that just takes over, you know, and, you know, come here, let me do this because nobody else can do it that well. No, I'm not talking about that. But do I get an award if I do that? Because if I do, I definitely (laughs) want to do that. (laughs) Gold stars. (laughs) You do get gold stars. And, and what you, what you also, in a, in a way, um, but what you, you also get is sometimes you really do have the right answer. And sometimes you can reduce all the variables and get every, because you kind of concede to the end. And if you can really, if you're in a situation where you can kind of see to the end and you're sensing that nobody else can, just step up and lead it. That's really probably going to be easier and it's going to help with information overload. And then the last one I would say that's applicable now and in the future is, is discipline and everybody struggles with discipline. So I'm not saying I've figured this out, but, but discipline schedules, you know, if you know something overwhelms you, you've got to discipline yourself to try to control it, manage it, you know, not, you know, even if you sort of feel good, but then you feel bad, like, like Rachel was saying, you know, you got to say, Hey, you know, staying up late, scrolling on my phone or watching TV or drinking alcohol or whatever. I mean, you have to discipline yourself and that's easier said than done. Everybody struggles with it. I have not done it that well. I'm, you know, three or four pounds heavier over the course of this thing, you know, that because my go-to place is eating too much. And, but anyway, I I say all that because I, you know, I want to be I want to be open and honest about my failings too. And they have been many during this time. I've yelled at my kids. I've yelled at my husband. I haven't always been loving and kind. I've, you know, been mad at God. Y'all heard about that. I've been, (laughs) I've been, but, but I will say that information overload is coming at you harder during this time. And um, if you can condition yourself to be disciplined and, and you can detach in the way that, Christina talks about detachment, that's going to really help. And then, you know, if there's a situation and this is particular, this is situational, but if you've got a certain situation where the factors are right, it, it may be your time to lead it. That's all wonderful advice, Mary Scott. Thank you. You're welcome. I think I'm probably going to reread Cal Newport's books, Deep Work and Digital Minimalism. And Liz, I know oh, you've read those. Yeah, you you were the one who originally told me to read them. And then Papa read them. He loved it. He made some choices. I read them. But I think I'm going to reread them for a refresher. So if anybody else, you know, is kind of struggling with this, this might be a good tip. He ha- he's been able to be very prolific in his writing and in his academic career, and he really attributes it to being purposeful and selective about his digital life. So he's a digital minimalist, but he's not on social media. He protects his work time, mm-hmm. but he has a number of really good research-backed suggestions. So I guess I would point anyone toward those books as well. Can you say the names of those again? I'd, I'd like to. And can I borrow your copies? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Wherever. I think they're now on Pepper's desk in his office that he's quarantined from. But yes, it's <laughs> Deep Work and Digital Minimalism by Cal Newport. Great. And, and I was able to borrow them from the library. Okay. So they, I think through Libby or, or Overdrive. So maybe Huntsville Library has them. Great. Thank but, you. you know, and also just to kind of, I, I think... I think we all have to forgive ourselves for something 
related to this pandemic or quarantine, whether it was we didn't savor the time as well as we wished we could have because anxiety was sort of hovering. And so we could we couldn't relax as well as we wish we could make use of this time or we yelled at our kids or we scrolled through news apps you know, late into right. the night. You know, I think I think forgiving ourselves. I think we've all done so well. I, I was reflecting on just the American spirit. And I know we are coming up out of this time and now people are questioning things. All that's fine. All that's fine. The original spirit during this whole thing was Mm. we are willing to sacrifice. We can still do hard things. We are willing to give. I've just, I've been inspired when I've been trying to think of the positive and not just focus on all of the division and arguing that's going on out there. I do think you have to give yourself a break when all this overload of information and circumstances and dynamics just kind of, you know, and realize that it, it, it has hit everybody like a ton of bricks and we're not going to function as well as we would have liked. So I think that's wise, Rachel. You know, there, I think most of our phones now have the ability to set limits on different apps. I think I might have to do that because I can't tell you how many times I've deleted Twitter and then put it back on there. <laughs> well, well, here's a question. I'm just curious. I don't Facebook anymore and I don't want Facebook. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I have a Facebook. I don't have it on my phone and that helps. What? So when you, th- I'm just curious. So when you think mm-hmm. about Twitter, what, like, cause there's pros and cons. Like what for you is the pro, right. what do you like about it? What, what do you enjoy? There are several people who who I have like personal relationships who I follow on there that it's really funny. And like during football season, like there are a lot of hot takes that are hilarious (laughs) and I love them. But right now it's just, it's all coronavirus all the time. Mm -hmm. And just from, from everywhere, from, from those sports writers, from some of the, you know, the, the, I guess heritage news organizations, not, that's not the right word. You know, the, the old standards like Washington post and, and New York times and that kind of thing. It's just, it's just constant. Um, and, and what more can be said? <laughs> freaking kidding, man. Oh, it's time for conspiracy theories, man. Oh my goodness. Oh, there have been plenty of those. Too. Yeah, I, I wrote about that this week on ale.com. If you want to go check that out, but people are just so worn out to our topic. So worn out on all the info and it has led to overload that I think we're ready. You know, we're just sharing things that, maybe shouldn't be shared. I don't know. There's my take. (laughs) The other thing that's been helping me clear my mind a lot is, is exercise. And I know I've talked about the good that exercise has done me a bunch of times on, on the show, but, um, y'all can see my bike behind me. Uh, I got a, I got a, you know, stationary spin bike a couple, about a month, a little over a month ago now, pretty early on into when we were, you know, started going into lockdown and it has been, my saving grace mm. through this of, of being able to, to jump on there and just like exercise, you know, go push hard until I'm breathless. It just, it clears my mind. Um, so that's been another tactic I've had, but. Well, it's, I mean, you know, exercise has been one of those areas I've had to humble myself and realize like, all right, you just need people. Like I'm, I'm probably not going to be like you, Liz, and work out hard by myself in my home by myself. And I was thankful that my gym had a couple of fun challenges that we did. But I, I guess I've forgiven myself of that too. I'm like, I need, I need some accountability. I have to have people around me or I probably won't work out. Well, <laughs> Hence the Corona but- chunky that I'm experiencing right now. <laughs> Oh, everybody is. Don't don't beat yourself up. 
let's not beat ourselves up, but mm-hmm. let's try to, let's try to do better. You know, every, you know, I, it, it, our, our happiness, our best selves, that's, that's to some extent within our, within our control. And even though we're not going to be our best selves and we know that and forgive ourselves on the one hand, but then also, you know, try, just try. That's, that's what I'm going to try to do and invite y'all to try to. Thank you all so much. And thank you to to all of our listeners, all of our curvies. We we know that a lot of us are in the same boat right now, and we hope that uh, that (laughs) this conversation has been helpful to you. I I know it's made me feel a lot better. You can connect with Bell Curve on Facebook or Twitter or um, Instagram at Bell Curve Pod. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you download podcasts. Please leave us a review. And don't forget to order your copy of Becoming Mrs. Lewis. There's a link on the website. Thank you again for, to all of our supporters on Patreon. It really means the world to us that you that you entrust your, your dollars with us to bring you this content. Thank you all so much. Thank you, Mary Scott. Thank you, Rachel, again, for your advice and, and for just sharing your authentic selves with us today.